interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is The Carrie Edelman Show. Welcome to The Carrie Edelman Show. I am so excited today as we have the multi-talented comedian, actress, and writer, Fielding Edlow, joining us in a moment. So before she comes on, I just always like to do a brief introduction to my show. She's going to be joining some of the amazingly talented individuals I've had the opportunity and honor to interview in the entertainment industry. And some of them have included New York Times bestselling author Jennifer Kishan Armstrong, award-winning journalist Mike Sager, comedian, writer, and performer Abby Schachner, um, renowned mastering engineer Mayor Applebaum, and the list goes on. So please check it out. I created this show about, I don't know, it's been like almost probably eight years ago. I really wanted to create a unique forum to bring people on in the entertainment industry and support them, promote them, and uh, share their story. A little bit about my background, I have a um, degree in clinical psychology, and one of the things I really enjoy doing in my profession is interviewing, and my other side is that I love pop culture and entertainment, comedy, music, so I really wanted to bring these two passions together and, as I said, create this forum. So I'm going to do a really different type of interview. I like to really learn about who the person is, and I think right now, unfortunately, with everything going on with the pandemic, what a better time than now to, you know, bring entertainers on and support them and, and help them get their names out there and promote their products. So if you're joining us, create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. Um, also, I always throw out there, I mentioned I have a background in psychology, but my show is purely entertainment. Um, we're not doing any type of therapy or analysis, but there are occasions when appropriate, we might talk about something in educational format, um, especially because I really like, you know, educating people and um, depending on what my guest wants to share, we'll, we can go from there. So let's do a nice introduction for Fielding Edlow and then we'll bring her on. So she's an LA-based comedian, actress, and writer. Um, she's also a native from New York and she was recently named one of the six funniest women in LA. She also has voiced the reoccurring character Roxy on the um, animated adult series BoJack Horseman and she also hosts a uh, monthly show called Eat, Pray, F. I'm not going to get into the word, but you'll know what it is, um, at the Hollywood Improv. Her solo show, Co-Create Jack, was, was um, the, sorry, earned the Best Fringe Award uh, by Backstage, and that was followed up by a four-month sold-out run in the L.A. McCaden Theater, and also was developed subsequently into a half-hour comedy special for Showtime. She recently created and starred in her award-winning web series, Bitter Homes and Gardens, which I love the name of, and we're going to delve into that today. And recently, she also released her first half-hour comedy special, Can't Say Slut, that is out right now, streaming on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, and Vimeo. So definitely follow her on social media at Fielding Edlow, and uh, let's bring her on and start the interview. Hey, Fielding, how are you? Hey, Carrie, I'm well. How are you? Thanks for that intro. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You are an amazing talent, as I've uh, said to you offline. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'll take everything yeah. I can get right now. <laughs> and, aw, so how are you making out with the quarantine? And I always just, since you know this unfortunately has happened, I always start the show out just kind of checking in, and then we'll start delving into the interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm. I feel like I was... Uh, meant to be in quarantine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm doing it okay. pretty in a weird way. Like I'm, I'm. I mean, of course, I have you know 
like my various different kinds of meltdowns that, you know, unfold in different ways. But it's not that bad for me. I mean, I'm lucky, like, I don't completely hate my husband right now, and now my kid's in a home camping or whatever this is, not homeschooling, but okay. like, like put correctional officer camp slash camp counselor, <laughs> but um, okay. I'm, I'll just, yeah, just, it's, I, I really am enjoying the pause. I mean, we're, obviously this is the most in, insane time and 120,000 people have died and there's, we're in a revolution, Absolutely. but I will say that I really am enjoying the pause and the reset and being able to just completely uh, organize my house. <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah, I think there's something to be said with that. Like you said, there is definitely this disheartening, horrible aspect to this whole thing that's going on. And um, But I think at the same time, if you're someone who's maybe a little bit of an introvert, like you mm-hmm. said, giving that time to kind of reset yourself and reevaluate things. And, yeah, I think I like that word pause you used. I think that really captures that. Yeah, it's time. like this collective pause, like the earth is taking this, deep breath and some people mm-hmm. are railing against it or not but it's I don't know my my husband and I turned to each other like a couple of weeks ago and I think I think I said I was like I don't even know if I miss my friends that much <laughs> which is so horrible <laughs> I mean I see them and he's like I know <laughs> but yeah I mean granted we're it's it, we're untethered and I don't I'm also just looking at it like it's just unending so I can be pleasantly surprised when they're like, hey, we've got a vaccine, meet you at the giggle patch in Torrance or whatever, you know, like it's just this is the way it is living one hour at a time. I agree. I agree. And, you know, again, we're not going to get into it, but like you said, different people, I think, from what you just said, um, you know, look at this differently, have different perspectives, Mm -hmm. and I'm definitely. I'm definitely more in the conservative camp when it comes to taking it seriously and not, mm-hmm. you know, fooling around with this. So totally. But yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's let's do this. And of course, as I said in the beginning, um, you share whatever you feel comfortable with. I'm not someone who's going to push you or, or prod if you don't oh, want to go down Oh, please push me, Carrie. Road. I'm ready. I'll say <laughs> it's not a problem. Um, okay. So let's do this. Let's uh, digress back to you know when you were really really little. You were. Um, you lived in Upper Side, Upper East Side of New York City, right? Yes. So just tell us a little bit about, you know, five, six years old, you know, when you were really young. Like, how would you describe your personality? You know, what were you like as a kid? So we can start to delve into how you became. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting different. that it's five, six, because, like, that's uh, the delineation between that is, like, very, it's just so dramatic for me. But I think it's, I think I was a pretty, you know, bubbly, I don't know about effervescent, but like I was, I, I, you know, because I grew up in such an anxiety bubble, my household was just this like anxiety, like with my mom and just like, she'll even admit, she's like, I don't know, I just was so anxious with you. Um, So I, you know, it was, everything was great, I would say from you know, one to, to zero to five. And then um, okay. my, everything, I was an only child. Which, by the way, I'd still people are like, you're not an only child because you really give off only child energy. But I'm not. So my brother came along when I was six, and it just it just reshaped the entire family dynamic in a huge, huge way in that he was sort of the messiah and just took over and just like – it was like my mom had one child on some level. And there was like a lot of kind of psycholo- psychological underpinnings to that. But Okay. It was still, I mean, it wasn't like, 
But it was a bit of an emotional desertion. You know, it was just like, what did I do? I'm only six. Like, I wasn't a cohort six. Like, what did I do? But, you know, it was just very, like, when I think a lot of Jewish mothers dote on sons. I will say that, too. Oh, okay. Okay. So, and again, was there, and your brother, and I watched your stand-up special, which we'll get into, which was phenomenal. Thank um, you. He's, he's, is he, he's a neurologist or a neurologist? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a neurologist, like a world-famous <laughs> neurologist. Wow. So, like, and, and we're really close. I mean, okay. he's, we're real, he's, you know, much more so before, you know, the doctor took over, we would talk almost every day. But, yeah, he, 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 was, he graduated number one in his class at UPenn Medical School. His wife graduated number two. So I was, like, trying to roast them at their wedding. Like, ew, who are these <laughs> people? Um, right. And he's a really humble, great guy. I mean, certainly cool. flawed like everyone else. But, yeah, he's doing, like, really important research on TBI, traumatic brain injury, and gets a lot of great – like, he'll, he'll literally – I'm like, where's Brian? And my dad will be like, oh, yeah, he's giving a conference in, in Berlin. And I'm like, oh, like, I just did napping yoga and picked up my dry cleaning, but okay. Right. <laughs> so, okay, so, get, you know, and again, I want to, of course, spend time on you, but thank you for sharing that. And like I said, I saw in the, it was funny because I was going to ask you, you know, do you have any siblings? Is anyone uh-huh. in entertainment? And then when I was watching the stand-up, I said, oh, okay, that answered my one question. But so he's your own, like you said, he's your only other sibling. You don't yes. have anyone else. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think families um, with three are psychotic. I don't know if you're, no, you maybe have, well, we'll talk off the air. But but anyway, so okay, so you're like you said, five or six, and there's definitely this shift when your brother comes along. Um, mm-hmm. How did that did that impact you in a certain way? Like, were you seeking more attention? What he, might have and you know start to pull in maybe some of your interests? Like, is mm-hmm. this when you start to get involved in you know? acting or you know were you a little kid who liked to put on plays or you know be kind of the center of attention yeah it's funny I I honestly didn't find acting till way later you know I think I probably wanted to be center of attention but to be honest I almost feel like and and like yeah again I was like above I, I was the person who pulled you know did pranks I feel like and did a little bit but I that part, like the sort of traumatizing part, I feel like I just shut down. Like I just stopped feeling or expressing, and that was my default. Um, okay. You know, that's really how I handled it because it was, I think, just so it was so painful and confusing that I was like, that was just my default at that time, which you know took many years of unraveling and thawing out the glaciers around my heart later. But uh, luckily. You know, and I think I did one or two school plays. I don't know. But gymnastics was, like, my savior. That was really oh, a cool. huge. Okay. And languages, like French and Latin gymnastics. Like, I, I found the things that I'm, you know, like, for me, it was like, oh, I'm immediate. Like, if I was like, oh, I'm definitely good at this, but I also love it. So I don't know if one, how it, chicken egg kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I love, gymnastics was just, like, yeah, my saving grace. I loved it so much. Nice, nice. Did you, um, were you competitive with it? Yes, I well in terms of like you know the private school like in New York City, but I do remember like I okay. I switched from Spence an all girls school to Trinity, and Trinity had like not as great a gymnastics team as Spence, so they we, there was we were in the second division, but I ended up I mean not even a humble brag, this is a brag brag, but like um, <laughs> winning 
the championship my senior year, which was such a nice cap to the whole thing. And then awesome. I know, and then my dad set me up with like to interview at Penn with the gymnastics coach, and I saw those like insane women like flipping on the beam, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's not me. I, I'd rather just become, you know, a fraternity uh, based alcoholic. That would be more my style than being oh. a gymnast. <laughs> Right, right. Oh. That that's okay, gonna be my really- path. But thanks for the interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, what when you did gymnastics, was there anything like you specialized in, like beam or floor? I mean, I I always enjoy watching that. I love that stuff. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I was um vaults and bars were my were okay. my specialties. I love. I was I was a lot more strong than like flexible or graceful. <laughs> I would say. I mean, I okay had my James Bond routine on the floor where I like mm-hmm. had pretended to have a smoking gun, like a so edgy. But yeah, I I I just something about running as fast as you can and just sailing through the air was just like so thrilling to me. Like I idolized Mary Lou Retton. Mhm. That's an interesting analogy. You said running as fast as you can and and I'm just because you're talking about just family and just mm-hmm. feeling it sounds like a little bit on the outside after your brother was born. Was would that be an analogy? Kind of just maybe almost like running away a little bit. Totally. Gymnastics really took you, like you said, to this. And I remember I was when I was growing up, and again, no one did this back in the day. I mean, surfing was not big for girls probably until like you know more late late nineties, early two thousands. And I was a big mm-hmm. surfer as a little kid. Um, and I, you know, just kind of making an analogy to what you're talking about. And that that was definitely something that took me away because you just you know you're so focused. You can't focus totally. on anything when you're out in the ocean and you're waiting for that wave and the right wave and you got to take off. And so I'm thinking of you with the gymnastics. Yeah, um, I mean, it yeah. almost seems meditative with the surfing too, mm-hmm. in a way. Or you're just you're so there's nothing more. Yeah, just intoxicating when you're when it's like a positive quote unquote timeout right. or you're just in your own bubble mm-hmm. and it's just it's sort of this like chariots of fire kind of thing where you're running it's just it's really between you and your god you know and like trusting mm-hmm. you're gonna land and going through so yeah absolutely and I I think I was like the fastest runner in fifth grade so absolutely that's a really apt analogy that it was like running as fast. I just really enjoyed right. that and I'm sure your parents were proud of you with everything you accomplished with the gymnastics I mean yeah, oh. yeah they yeah. they they would they, it's weird. It's like they, I don't. It's it's funny. I even was like, are my parents even that proud of my brother? Like they're, look. It's like I have a really good relationship with them now. I love my parents. Um, they mm-hmm. definitely are. There's a whole bunch. Uh, I would say narcissism involved and just sort of blocks. So mm-hmm. it's like they feel and do what they can. Like I remember I heard one someone being like, they did the best they could and their best was terrible. But like it's not totally just like like they like like my dad came to every gymnastics meet, you know, but I I don't know that I ever to be honest, like truly felt them being like, Oh my God, like that was amazing the way I I would do that about my eight year old if she like goes to the bathroom without my asking her to Right. Right, right. Crazy. Okay. No, I can I can yeah. yeah I can kind of empathize with what you're saying. Um, your now your dad was he was involved in finance was it? Yeah, he was with Bear Stearns for like oh my god, forty forty years or something. Wow. Yeah, and was he an accountant or? He was in arbitrage, sort of the stockbroker, and then he went into the more of the administration and ended up being secretary of the company. Um, so wow. he did a lot of different things to keep it interesting for himself. But yeah, I mean he was one of the main guys there. Okay. 
And yeah, interesting. Like, your your mom was is she is she is a doctorate level or master's level? She was a Freudian therapist. I read. Yeah, she. So she was always like when I was little, she was a social worker, and she went to, um, mm-hmm. I think, at Lenox Hill. And then I think when I went to college, she just was like, I want to be a therapist, which made a lot of sense. Um, and then, yeah, so she's a therapist. And then, I th- and then, of course, to my consternation and total annoyance and angst, she's like, I'm gonna get, I want to be Dr. Edlow, not just Mrs. Edlow, which is fine, but it, I have this, like, pet peeve where it's like, if you're not an actual medical doctor, like, stop it. But it's right. just a little thing. But because like on our answering machine, she's like, "This is Doctor Edlow," and I'm like, "Ugh." But um, yeah, she's a she's a she's a therapist. Sees okay, patients so she in did... my old bedroom, which is a. And I think I did that in my stand. I had a bit in my stand. I know. <laughs> um. So she did go on to get her doctorate. She did. I think she did dissertation. Okay. Yeah. And um contraception and pregnancy and disenfranchised girls. It was actually a really interesting topic. I, I, I went to support her. I remember, I think I was, like, hungover and, like, wearing my underwear backwards and being like, okay, I support you. <laughs> Aw. Okay. Yeah, no. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you know, she's just, um, yeah, she still sees patients. I mean, you know, in my old bedroom, which is so crazy, they still are there on East 85th Street, and my dad has transitioned into, oh, it sounds like a trend. No, he's, he is, um, <laughs> I was like, back that up a bit. Um, he, he's always been a passionate coin collector. He's a numismatist, so, like, that literally keeps him alive, that he still has this, like, passion, not even a hobby, it's a passion, and just wow. does that. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, Getting back to like talking a little bit about right your school and gymnastics and you mm-hmm. went to private school as you said. Were you someone who enjoyed school? Were you like a studious student or was school kind of just you know not your thing but you you know you had to do it? I I did love school. I mean of course because it's like it was getting out of my. I mean I think I'm making my home sound like a torture chamber. I mean on some ways no, it was no. very difficult. Yeah. I mean it was it was mixed obviously, but it was, but for me the social aspect. I did love I did really like school. I mean it, when I got in high school and it was subjects again that I wasn't I didn't have a total of just proclivity towards like, you know, physics or math, you know, I mm-hmm. just wouldn't work, you know. I would be like I would just be lazy and just I wouldn't do well in in those, but the ones, like, I loved, you know, English and languages, and, you know, I had APs, so it was, like, mostly all really good, you know, but certainly I would just be like, ugh, like, I just, I would get so frustrated and just wouldn't want to ask for help. Right, okay, so, right, like you said, you gravitated towards, which, it made sense with the English and the language in your writing. Mm -hmm. Again, I just, I love how you craft your jokes, how you use your words, and it's just it's very poetic at the same time, but it is just also... I appreciate you saying humor. that. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, I really have an appreciation just when I watch comics and, you know, see how they put things together. To me, that's just, you know, that's a craft in a, in a separate entity in and of itself, and I don't think people really see that, but I look, whatever people are involved in, I have always kind of get really interested in, you know, how do they do that, and that's such a talent, and so, yeah, no, you just really have a nice way with words and how you put things together. I I appreciate it. I mean, I think, yeah, a lot of that, I mean, I will say it's throwing my whole family under the bus, which I love to do, but, like, I think my great-grandfather, <laughs> my mom told me my great-grandfather just read the dictionary, and I've always just loved words, 
so much. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I did my first roast battle, and I, and I didn't do particularly well. I mean, I held my own. It was like at 1 in the morning, and I was like literally ready to put my head in the oven. It was just so late. But I remember one of okay. the judges was like, yeah, Fielding, I mean, it was weirdly poetic. <laughs> and I remember being like, all right, I'll take that. It's not exactly what you want to hear from the roast battle. Right. Test, but, yeah, you're like, I'll And how take. old were you when you did that, when you did your first roast? That was oh, when I did my first show show or the roast battle? Yeah, just the roast battle, just to get an idea. We'll, then we'll go back to school. Oh, we'll yeah, no, this was pretty recent. This one of the last shows oh, okay. I did before the pandemic. I think it was in... Well, it was near the end. It was January, but it was like it was a great experience because I feel like I was I just and there's nothing I love more than just cutting people down <laughs> and just mm-hmm. insulting them. So it was like I I was like, but the guy was he he was tough. It was humbling. Right. It was like right. yeah, he was tough. I was like, oh God, I'm so much older than him. I just want to die. But <laughs> luckily, I think I read. 37 and a half if I'm wearing glitter, so it wasn't horrible. But it was no, you look, no, you look great. You do not Thanks. look great. Um, I'm trying. Would, I'm trying. No, you do. No, you look great. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, yeah, so, okay, so, you know, school, like you said, definitely into gymnastics, English, it sounds like writing definitely was something that you excelled in. So you said in school that's when you did your first couple of plays in high school. Was that when you started to – how did you keep I... get – I don't even think I can say that. I think it was like, the only thing I remember, Carrie, was Babes in Toyland in eighth grade. And I think I really messed up my line like 10 times, so they had to keep doing it over. I had a lot of things. If you're asking about when it was like theater or the place, because no, I wasn't that kid. It was like, hey, guys, let's put on Thornton Wilder's Our Town and put it on for the neighbors. Like, that was not me. Like, I definitely liked attention. But um, if you want to jump to college, I can tell you uh, when I was sort of bitten yeah, by them bugs. Actually, do this real quick. Let's, yeah. Anything like before we get into college and mm-hmm. plays and stuff like comedy. Mm-hmm. Growing up, did you have like, you know, were you a kid that liked to watch TV? So just to see, was there any inkling of comedy or stuff like that that maybe oh, started yeah. to circulate a little bit? And I what mean, you, like what types of things did you like to watch on TV as a kid? Were you watching mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. or was it? Brady yeah, I mean, or... it's funny. My my family has a really dark, acerbic, just caustic, just cutting sense of humor. Like my dad and my grandmother, like just really dark and just really funny people, hilarious. Okay. So that was a huge thing, I think, just being around people. Like I feel like I came out of my mom being like, tell me some gossip or what's happening. <laughs> like it was just a lot of like <laughs> chatter and jokes. So I will just, just to have that backdrop, but I, you know, I remember watching Eddie Murphy's raw in the theater, which had a huge impact on me. So I was like, Holy, um, I just, but I, in terms of shows, it was like, I, I, I love, I think I was just nerdy. Like also just like that nerdy, um, I like just romance. <laughs> I remember loving mm-hmm. the, ro- the love boat and the stories, and I was like, had the rage of Medea because my mom would never let me watch the whole thing, and I'd have to go to bed at 10.30. And I was like, ugh. But I lo- Thursday nights was Family Ties and Cosby Show. Mm-hmm. I would marvel at Alex Keaton, Mouse P. Keaton, like his com- comedic timing. You know, and, I'm, and then I, I remember just, you know, I'm still kind of obsessed with Michael J. Fox. I just read his biographies. But 
You know, oh. yeah, it wasn't so, I'm trying, it wasn't, I don't think that the comedic influences, again, like, happened much more in my early 20s, but it was, like, mostly, like, the family backdrop, I would say, and just, you know, knowing I did have a sense of humor, but also mm-hmm. not, not real, but people weren't totally validating it at that point, or I didn't really know it in my bones yet, I don't think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mean, as, I mean, as we'll see probably with you a little bit, sometimes stuff comes out a little bit later in life and that's great. Too. Yeah. You know, I don't think it has to be something where totally. you, know, you hear people sometimes say, oh, you have to have this drive and passion from a little kid to, you know, to succeed at whatever X, Y, Z and B. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't agree with that. I think people at any stage in their life can develop that passion if they put the time and the effort in. Um, and of course, have to have some type of talent. I mean, you know what I mean? Something. Yeah, there has to be something, but it's really true. Like I'm, I'm definitely, definitely a late bloomer. It's like, I don't, I didn't really Mm -hmm. wake up and even just awaken to, I really reclaim my humanity until my early twenties. So yeah, that's definitely my path. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So yeah, yeah let's uh, we'll move forward a little bit, like you said, to get into college and how some of this stuff starts to come out. So, yeah, what colleges did you? You know, you went to UPenn, but you know, mm-hmm. what other colleges did you apply to, and what made you choose UPenn? I mean, I was really quite full of myself that it was like I was like, I'm just going to UPenn. <laughs> like, oh, okay. happening. <laughs> I mean, I I have I definitely am a legacy. I will admit, you know, it's like my dad, my uncle, and um. Okay. And the truth is I didn't get in early, you know. They were like, no, your SATs are not. Like, my math wasn't up to snuff, you know. So they mm-hmm. got me a tutor. I got my math. The tutor literally was like, leave out question 9 and 24, and you're, it'll go up 100 points. And I was like, great. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I ended up getting – I think I was probably going to go to Connecticut College or – I don't know. My dad literally just told me he wished I hadn't gone to UPenn because it set me on the trajectory of acting, and he thinks that was not the right course for me. So I was like, well, where, and happy, father's, happy early Father's Day to you, too, Dad. Right. Well, well, what, did he, what did he want you to do? Was there a certain thing he wanted you to pursue? It's, or um, Honest, I feel like he mentioned being a hospital administrator once. <laughs> So random. I'm telling you, they really didn't have high aspirations for me. They're like, marry rich and maybe, you know, work for Planned Parenthood. Like, your feminist causes are very nice. And, you know, just be under our toxic umbrella. Oh, my gosh. Right. I know. So, but my brother got very different. But, you know, I get a lot of material. But, yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, (laughs) it ended up. I mean, I remember getting the letter of acceptance to UPenn, being in my opening in my elevator in my building, going calling my dad. Like my dad was the first person I called, and he literally didn't believe me and was like, "Read me the letter. You have to get the letter. Oh I want to get the letter." And I was like, "Here it is, Dad. I'm going to UPenn." So, so I was, you know, I I loved college, so that was like a ha- that was a happy day because I knew that was the place for me is as much sort of. Uh, bacchanalia drinking craziness happened. It was it was fantastic overall. That's great. That's great. So mm-hmm. so was college. Would you say? And again, we'll talk a little bit about what you mm-hmm. majored in and if you did any um, you know type of job related stuff after college. Was college an easy transition or a difficult one? I mean, UPenn's a that's a pretty big school, right? It is. Yeah, it's a good point because I yeah, Connecticut College probably would have been easier. Yeah, it it was. A, it's it's a it's a great question because. 
it was a lot more jarring than I thought. And the truth is, mm-hmm. like, all the, the thing about UPenn is, like, there's a lot of New York City private school kids. And, you know, okay. what I, they're just and, – okay. and you all find each other. You're like, ooh, like, Riverdale, really, and you probably – you kind of know some of them already. I didn't have anyone from my high school, but so I was – we, like, my – in high school, we were like a Heathers, the four of us. We were such, we were sort of, am I allowed to curse on this or no? I feel like. Yeah, you can curse a little bit. It was mean, a, yeah, let's I just mean, say it's like kind of a cunty click. Like it was just like a Heathers. You know, we were very, very right. tightly, you know. So okay. you're, it was jarring. And um, I, it, 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 it settled and I found, you know, like my, some really good friends who, who had gone to Fieldston and like nicer girls. But, you know, I ended up getting mono my first time. I mean, I think I, it was so, I probably was really more stressed than I thought because mm-hmm. I'm, I feel that whenever I get sick, it's stress. That's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. It contribute. it's a major. So I went home for a month and a half my first semester of Penn. I remember, like, the guy I was dating was like, oh, I was Liz then. Just to let everyone know, I didn't start going by fielding until I was, it's my middle name, until I was about 26, okay. 27. So they were like, where's real Liz? Quick, before I forget, real quick, <laughs> yeah. if you can give us a bullet. Yes. How did, how did your mom give you that? I love the name. It doesn't okay. mean anything. Is it, is it like symbolic or was there another person in your family you were named after? And it, yeah, so, they, yeah, so I was lucky because, um, so my grandfather was Benjamin Feldman. And okay. when he was going into politics, my grandmother was like, maybe, you know, change it to fielding. It's a little Jewish. <laughs> like this, like, <laughs> hidden, like, anti-Semitism running to self, you know, self-hating mm-hmm. Jews. My family was just littered with them. So he did. I mean, my grandmother's nickname was the manager. So Feldman, that's what it was, became fielding. So then my mom was oh. Mary Fielding. I mean, it sounds like some, like, Chaucer, Canterbury Tales, or I don't know, but it's <laughs> then and then my mom, yeah, just gave that to me as a middle name, which is and then yeah, and then I took it on because I I just it was like was it was just a huge thing for me when that happened when I decided to be like I am Liz or Lizzie or Elizabeth to all these different people and I it's it, I'm I'm done I don't it didn't feel right anymore and then fielding it just okay. kind of took off for me. I mean, nice. not career-wise, so, just in terms of my identity. <laughs> right, right, right. No, thank you for sharing that. So I'm sorry. So get back to, right, you were definitely, like you said, stressed. You got mono. Yeah. And you had to go home for a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was hard, you know. And then, again, it's almost like to tie in to the callback to quarantine, I just, it was, not, it was kind of, I mean, of course, I walk in and my brother and my father are wearing masks, and they're like, stay away from me, you have mono, go in your bedroom (laughs) um right it it wasn't bad because again you're you're totally right it was like it was so abrupt it's such a shock to the system just getting to you pen Mm -hmm. and being like i'm not the big fish in this like high school where uh, the cool girl i'm i'm just another new york city girl like attractive but like nothing you know so there's mm-hmm. a thousand other people, you know, it's like, okay, but, you know, smart. So I just hung out and then I went back and I think I took some uh, incompletes and then finished that up in summer school. But yeah, it wasn't, I don't mind. I think I always, I kind of gravitate to a pause. <laughs> right. 
Right. And do you think you maybe have some, you know, you could still be, you know, an outgoing person who likes to socialize, but also someone who's independent and likes to kind of be by themselves sometime and and need that kind of, so maybe you do have that little introverted quality. Oh, I definitely do. I mean, that's something that's like, oh, has came up every session when we were, I mean, it's a whole other thing with couples therapy because they'd be like, Larry is an extrovert and (laughs) you are an introvert. That's, you guys just need to know that. (laughs) Right, right. Like he literally, his oxygen is other people. And for me, I'm like, oh, I'm so drained. I just want to crawl into a hole and never come out. Like you drain me. I just can't. (laughs) But uh, yeah, but uh, of course I have that sort of outgoing, vivacious, Mm -hmm. if you will, side. But in my soul, I feel like, yeah, I I, I really enjoy, I, I enjoy my own company. Yeah, and just maybe your own time, like you said, just to, mm-hmm. like you said, to deconfect and take that time to reflect and maybe mm-hmm. to make some adjustments where needed. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it's a, not to sound like such an asshole, but it's like, it's a gift. It's a gift mm-hmm. to just be able to just stop because I'm that person who's like the vaulter or the go, go, go. And, you know, can it's so easy for me not to be present. It's so easy for me to be just you know, I'm a compulsive interrupter, you know, I'm just like, go, go, go. So it's like, I, it's, it's good for, it's good for me in character right. growth. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So in college you, um, you majored in women's studies and what, what uh, well, was it was, a, yeah, it, I was very, it was, it ended up being a minor, but I, I was, um, oh, okay. you know, I majored in, um, yeah, I think I my my joke is like yeah, double major bukkake and coke, but I, not bukkake. That's horrible. But and some of my friends were like, I looked it up, feeling and you're disgusting. But that's not the case. <laughs> um, I actually was in the Annenberg School for Communication. That was my major, and there's some really awesome classes that I, even dovetailed with women's studies. But um, yeah, yeah, that's what it it ended up being. And senior year. I got into, uh, there was a, I was like, I'll take an acting class. I didn't know what, this some elective, second semester senior year, they, it was intro to acting, and it was only offered to freshmen and seniors. Like, freshmen one declared as a major, and seniors who were just like, fuck, I get I'll just take, you know. And, I mean, it was like a thousand people apply to this, because it's like, you know, everyone wants to just, you know, take an acting class. But I got in, and I think I also liked it because it was at one thirty in the afternoon and I could sleep in. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. insane. <laughs> and it was just like, I, again, like that was a really at a turning point. Like I just woke up. Of course I had a crush on the teacher. I mean, that's not going away. And, like, he ended up writing me a recommendation for the neighborhood playhouse. And my friends and I, like, steamed open the envelope. And we, I think, I literally remember to this day, he wrote, like, I had a cool, resonant voice. And I was like, and they were like, oh, my God, he wants you. Like, <laughs> so into him. <laughs> but... That was it. It was that intro to acting class, literally. And I had, I did not know what I was going to do. Like, I'll work for Planned Parenthood. I'll work for a, a Ruth Messenger's political campaign. It was running for office for mayor at that time okay. in New York City, which I, I did do that in the summer. But I, nice. he, yeah, that was, you know, a, a fantastic. But he, I was like, I think I want to go to acting school, you know, and that. It was that class. Like, if I hadn't gotten in, I, I don't know exactly how I would have right. found. I really don't. I, I probably would have, but honestly, I don't know how I would have. Wow. So so this, like you said, this acting class inspires you. He writes mm-hmm. a letter, and then so you, after you graduate, you go into a specific acting school? 
Yeah, it was a two-year okay. program, Neighborhood Playhouse, yeah, which was like probably, I kind of want to say it was the best year of my life. It was, wow. I wasn't even good at that. I mean, I wasn't, I was, I'm still the tin man. My husband calls me the tin man, like when I have no feelings, I'm <laughs> dead fish eyes. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. But no, I re- it was really just, I was so green and so scared, mm-hmm. but I loved it so much. And where was that? Where's that located? So that was 56, I be, or 50, no, 54th Street between 3rd and 2nd. And I remember sometimes I'd go over to my grandmother's who was on 56 between Park and Lex for some like TLC and being like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I couldn't cry today. Like, I could never cry <laughs> or do anything. But yeah, it was, it just, you know, I would. I had a lot going on at the time. I mean, I'm happy to get into any of it, but I still was like, um, I'm a recovering alcoholic, so I was drinking really wow. heavily. I was in my eating disorder then. I mean, I had a lot going on. Right. It would have been kind of impossible almost for me to actually, you know, I was just cloaked in that stuff. But I, but I right. will say there was always right. that glimmer of thing. that I would get on the subway at like 840 and I remember, like, with all these businessmen, I remember one guy, he's like, hey, do you want the paper? You know, that wonderful New York community on the subway. And that's what I did every day. Like, all I did, get dressed, get on the subway, and go sit in class. But it was a different kind of class. And it was like I right. hooked up with my friend Sage, who was, like, a model, and she knew, like, drug dealers, and we would sit in the back and talk. But we, you know, we took dance. It was, it was yeah, the mm-hmm. more I think about it, it was just like this, unbelievable year for me as as difficult as it was right and did that stuff start when you were in college the drinking kind of yeah, partying the, the substance use yeah um no no it was high school I think it was really, okay. I mean I tried my first drink at 13 I remember like oh like I like how it changes the way I feel but beer mm-hmm. is disgusting but no it was, I I was a full-blown alcoholic at 14 like a hundred percent. I never, I never drank for an unemotional reason. Okay. Okay. You know, so it was, and then I did, um, I mean, yeah. And then I think I did Coke in high school a little bit, mostly like weird shrooming. Like a lot of guys were like grateful dead fan, like shrooming (laughs) acid. I'm like, I don't like this. The scene is horrible, but I did it because it was like my boyfriend was in, but anyway, yeah. But then more drugs and, Senior year in college, it was, I mean, I was, like, buying it from people, which I remember being like, this is okay. Like, I had that little camera, like, that kind of fake camera outside myself watching me do it, being like, right, I, right. I crossed a line here, and then, like, doing it alone. But, yeah, and then it was 24 I got sober, which was after acting school. Okay, and, and congratulations on being sober oh, for, you know, so many years 22 now. years Wonderful. now. Yeah. Great, so awesome. Did you Thanks. did you did, did you check yourself into some type of program or was it something you just did? You know, I didn't because for support? my type of alcoholism, I was I was a binge drinker. I mean, I okay. it's funny. So my I, I so I I'm just a really you know addictive person. Like, and mm-hmm. my best friend in the world, who I went to Spence with, who knows me since I was five, she's like, you know, I feel like alcohol is like number three or four on your thing. Like, you it's like people. Food, sugar, like money, and then <laughs> alcohol. And I'm like, thanks, Libby. Which is, it's, I mean, I'm 100% alcoholic, but it's like, yeah, it was just, there was anything to just 
not feel. I think the only thing I not as a sex addict and a gambling addict, <laughs> not those, but I have everything right. else. But yeah, it was. Um, it yeah. So no, I didn't. I didn't need to go to rehab. I think it was. I, I had this there. I had. You thank God. I had this therapist, Doctor Spain, and she saved my life. I mean, I was going to her mm-hmm. twice a week. She saved my life. I mean, my mom. I think they wrote her a thank you note. I mean, I would just go to the Upper West Side, and for a year, she just. I mean, I was having sex, I even think, without condoms. I'm really lucky. And, and she would say things like, do you want to talk about you dying? Because when, you know, HIV, there was no cure. Right. And she would right. just say these things, hammering in a gentle way. And right. then, mm-hmm. And then I, I think December, around December, it was just, I, I somehow got it. Oh, oh, and I, like, the guy I was obsessed with get, got someone pregnant in Texas, my ex-boyfriend from high school, and I was like, uh, well, if I can't be with Kevin, then, oh, then forget. I just I might as well try sobriety. Like I was just so codependent too. I mean, I just said everything. And then I, I oh, and then I I was in an eating disorder group at the time, and there was this Sports Illustrated model who was in OA and AA. And I remember, well, she, I was like, she's beautiful, cool, and pretty. Like if she's in both, I guess I could be both. Right? Which is so shallow. Like I'm the most shallow right. person. And and then there was this, like, beautiful waiter at the restaurant where I worked who would, like, point out the type of guys who would come in, my friends, and take over the smoking table. And he's like, if these are your friends, they're not your friends. and who They're lower companions, and you have to really think about who you're spending time with. And I was like, Jesus. So I'd have these, like, messengers. Right. And mm-hmm. then finally, I don't know if you wanted this whole thing. I'm, like, going on. No, on, but wherever, like I said, wherever you want to go and you feel comfortable going, no. It's yeah, fun. like there's yeah, there's nothing. I don't. Um, so I just remember. Yeah, so I found out my ex boyfriend got someone pregnant, and then I went. I think it was like December seventeenth or November or no, I don't know. And I went out to this bar in East Village called Swift. I remember I like ordered a shot from the bartender, and they gave me an extra one. I was like, I love you. And this shot just didn't work. It was very. It was like almost a spiritual awakening. It was like it just sat in my stomach, like it didn't do anything, right. and I was like. In a way, I was like, my it's like my so it's like my lover, like my best friend was just left. It was like I don't have this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I just called inner group um, for twelve step program. I was like, I'll just. I think I walked into OA by accident, but where <laughs> I'd gone or no, and I think I said my full name. I was like, hi, I'm Fielding Edlow, and they're like, you don't have to say your full name. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and then that, Aww. so December 18th, I walked in, and, and I had the most miraculous watershed. Like, I was really lucky in that first meeting and that everyone took care of me. Like, the secretary, was awesome. like, made me stay, circled young people's meeting. I found never had a legal drink meeting, and she, and she, and this was amazing. This isn't even really done that much. She wrote down the number of her sponsee and name, and she goes, this is going to be your sponsor. Call her tomorrow. Oh, that's awesome. And so it was just like very old school stuff that I was so mm-hmm. embraced and so loved, like so immediately that I feel, and I try to pass it on now. That's great. That's great. No, it's wonderful Thanks. to hear. And again, congratulations. Thank you. Um, yeah. Because like you said, you had a lot, lot going on and you were trying yeah. to manage yourself, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. like, I think like you said, you, you kind of had this acting little bug mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. know now you're probably trying to really find yourself you graduated from this amazing amazing college mm-hmm. um 
you know, you probably have different expectations, like you said, from your dad. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, now I'm <laughs> falling into acting a little bit, but I also have a lot of other stuff that, you know, I have to, I have to work on. So, yeah, so take totally. this into now, you, you, you finish up this schooling that you did at the, um, mm-hmm. the, neighbor play, the neighborhood mm-hmm. playhouse. Mm-hmm. And then what happens from there? Where do you go? Well, it's interesting. Well, so I was not invited back, which was, I mean, dev- devastating. I mean, and there weren't, they weren't wrong. You know, I, I had a lot of issues. I wasn't, you know. So I ended up taking a year off and working at, like, Golden Books Family Entertainment, like a children's book company that my parents got me that Oh, job. wow. Yeah, awesome. I was an assistant to okay. the publisher. And I would, like, wow. I owe them amends, I feel like. I mean, I would ha- I take their company car to, to take me to acting class at the end of the day sometimes. Like, I would still go to acting class. I was still angry and trying to figure it out, you know, just not – in my body really yet but I like Mm -hmm. you said I had this little bug it was like I had the little bug so then my old teacher from the neighbor playhouse emails me he's like I have a private class you should you should come and do it so that's really what started and that that was like major that that going back to Ron's class on in the in Hell's Kitchen with an amazing group I mean, and that was another kind of best year of my life, too, because it was like I was going to meetings, I was going to this class, and, like, I, my job was just to sort of heal, but, mm-hmm. like, be, but figure out, but, but really go towards this thing that my parents were violently against. Like, my mom would be like, just do it on the weekends. So it was such a push-pull for me. But, but that class, Ron's class, that couple years after was so instrumental because one of his exercises I guess that was the year I got sober he said write a truthful monologue about yourself and I'd never really written anything really Mm -hmm. and I went away and I just wrote 20 like I just it would just unleash the permission to write and um that started my writing journey because when I delivered that monologue people responded to it and I Cool. Again, felt this healing of just being self-expressed and finding my voice, which I pretty much, you know, found yeah. pretty early on. And you were about how old at this point? Yeah, so this was 25. So okay. it was like, okay. yeah, 24. Oh, 20, 24. Actually, 24, yeah, because it was like I, I got, yeah, I got sober December 18th. 1997, and then it was, yeah, yeah, around there. Okay, okay. And is this the monologue that you're talking about that leads to your one-woman show, Coke Free Jack? Yeah, it was, like, it was was definitely, like, the first seed, absolutely, of just, like, Mm -hmm. it was, like, I think it was, like, I'm starving to be touched. It was, like, so, Mm -hmm. it was one of those things where it's, like, yeah, I have the whole thing. And I ended up, so Brooke Berman is a amazing writer, playwright, I found her, and this was just, she offered, it was just a flyer I found in the East Village, and she was offering a writing class, and I don't even know why I called her. I didn't even know her then. So that was around that time, maybe a year or so later, I took just this writing class, which was like, oh, my God. And it, and it was so funny. Every single person that was in their 20s and had grown up in New York City, we'd all gone to do it. It was just this magical thing, and that's where I think I started it first was called Hands in Me, <laughs> and then it transitioned okay. to Coke Free Jab. But yeah, that and I remember Brooke was like, "You should write a play," 
But I ended up, you know, doing this one woman show that got into the fringe and it yeah, it just was that was that was the big first thing. That's awesome. And that um that show was that in New York or was that in LA? Cuz we'll eventually get into how you moved out to LA at some point. Yeah, um, yeah, that but that definitely that was the show that I quote unquote kind of took to LA or tried to find a director in LA for, but yeah, it premiered and I use that term very loosely. <laughs> but okay. in the New York <laughs> <laughs> Please, my God. But it, it got into the – my director, Eva Minimar, had a connection to the New York Fringe, so it got into the New York Fringe Festival, and it was – oh, my God, I can't right. even remember the exact theater, but it – you know, it got it got reviewed. You know, my friends came, and again, I was not a – I don't even know if I was a good actress then. I was like – I was trying, and I mean, even this asshole I dated years later, even when he saw my LA show, he's like, "You're a better writer than actress." I remember being like, "Go back to your Angels game. Like, you're the worst." Right. Um, <laughs> but, but I was, but it was part of my journey. It's just where I yeah. was. At, I was still so shut down, but the writing came through. I think to some people, and just I remember girls who were in recovery or trying to get sober or whatever, like that. I, I mean, and this one girl just came up to me, and she's like, fell into my arm. She's like, thank you so much. You, like, told my story. So it's like just that alone was worth the whole that's the awesome. whole thing. Like, that, I feel like that's yeah. why you do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, to make that connection and to share your experiences and have people relate to it. And, yeah, yes. and to know that, hey, I'm not, you know, other people can know that I'm not the only one. Other people have went through this. So, yeah. Right, this is what I did that with my pain, too, and we're not alone. Mm-hmm. We're, just, we're all just walking each other home. Absolutely. So this is around, yeah. that was around 2004, 2005, right, that you're putting to get you This was actually, because I remember 9-11 happened right after. So this was oh, so right. 2001, 2001, because I remember the, re- right. the guy who reviewed my hands and me, that show in backstage, called me to make sure I was okay. Like, my dad didn't call me. <laughs> this reviewer was like, are you okay, Fielding? Um, wow. I just really remember that. Um, so, yeah, so I was... That happened, and then I, so I was probably around 28, and then I was just kind of, you know, writing little things, getting into, like, playwriting groups, and try teaching uh, Kim Basinger's kid gymnastics on the Upper West oh, Side, wow. and, like, oh Ireland, I remember Ireland Baldwin was there, I was like, hmm, there's Ireland Baldwin, um, but, and hostessing, and then it was, when I was 30, it just was like, I don't know, I, it just felt like, oh, I was in therapy I'd I'd switched therapist to another one. It was just I'd outgrown Dr. Spain. And I remember she was like, (laughs) building, I have nothing to tell you except to leave New York. There's just nothing left to tell you. Like, you just have to leave, which is pretty extraordinary, I feel like, for a therapist to say, I feel like, right? Why did she, what was she pushing for with that? Like, what did she mean by that? Like, she felt like. Yeah, I mean, I. She knew, and I knew that I could not stay in. in it was too toxic a city with my gotcha. parents being in the city. It just when they come up for you know, and 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 she had actually had my parents in for a session, so she okay. she got it. I mean, she was right. like, "Wow, <laughs> like that was a really painful session." Right. And then I I listened to it was Jamie. I called her Jamie. She was, I loved her. She had these, like, Mew Mew shoes. I'm, I'm, again, so shallow. I was like, I have to like my therapist's shoes. <laughs> and they're, like, <laughs> decorations. And they're like, oh, that's Jonathan Adler. But, yeah, and then I, I remember, 
again, it was sort of like when I went into that first meeting, it all was so easy. It's like they say, go where it's warm. So when I sent that few emails, you know, I, my two best friends were already out there, the ones I'd grown up with and I went to Spence with. Okay. And one of them was like, oh, yeah, we have a, there's an apartment for, ready for you. Just come. Aww. Like it was like that West Hollywood single girl apartment where you binge on like Brownie Nutblast and watch Sex and the City. And just like, <laughs> so <laughs> it was just like it all. And then I remember I was like putting yeah. it off. And my, my best friend's husband emailed me. I'll never forget. Jesse was like, I was telling him, oh, I was like, I think I'm going to maybe December. And he just sent me this email. And he's like, hey, Liz, why wait? And I was right. like, so I just, I learned to pay attention mm-hmm. where you think it's the messenger. Like when you mm-hmm. know deep down it's the messenger, you know, people's instincts. So I, to- I, I left. <laughs> and so, so that was, this is- yeah. You're around 30, you said, when this was? I was when 30. You left? Yeah. Okay. I was 30. Okay. Which, of course, in L.A., I was like 50. <laughs> They're like, oh, my no, God. You're I like a Jewish mean. Jessica Tandy. You're so, I remember going for, I didn't know, I didn't realize you had to lie when I was going into commercial, even though I, would, I looked really young then. But still, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm 30. And they'd be like, there's the door. <laughs> wow. Oh I mean, gosh. not in so, but you kind well, of, I, you know, this is such a psycho town but yeah so it was a little bit like going to pen this sort of being thrust even though it wasn't so much I mean I it took a little time to get to adjust but it was like in terms of my show when it became coke free jap the woman who ran Tuesdays at nine this naked angels reading series was like hook up with Craig he should direct the show like Mm -hmm. just find him and I courted him I've always known sort of how to I've I will self I have self sabotaged so much. It is hard for me to follow through, but I I do know how to be a go getter on some level, you know. Yeah. So I ended up finding Craig. We have this like four hour meeting, and he directs Coke Free Jap, which was a that was a that was a big thing in my life because it got extended and Variety reviewed it, and it was again. That's awesome. Really hard for me. Not so easy to be on stage, but. But I enjoyed myself, and you know that was who I was. That was who that was. That was who I was, and you know, got me a manager, and it was it was big for me. It was fun. No, that's great. That's great. So that's mainly the first thing when you get out there, outside yeah. of doing you know maybe some other like you said gigs and things like mm-hmm. that that you were getting mm-hmm. involved in. Improv. Um, I did improv this whole time too. Like it stand up didn't even come till I got pregnant much later. So I was just, yeah doing UCB and which mm-hmm. has like probably one the mate you talked to. You're asking me about influences and like I would say that's eighty percent influence on like how I write today, how I collaborate, how I access my voice is from those those thousands of improv classes and groups and private so, wow. you know yeah right right. And I know that the the one woman show too. You um, had pitched it to Showtime, and it looked like yeah. it was potentially going to get picked up, but it was competing with girls. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, you never know why these things are turned. Yeah, out, you know? I know. And it was. And but, and you, and you, especially life is so funny. It was like, well, I spent. I got to spend time with my daughter. I mean, if it had gone, right. I would have missed her first year on some level, but. Yeah, it, I mean, listen, that was my first sale. It was huge. Yeah, I mean, I remember no, I, I was mean, still, with thank you, like breastfeeding or like pumping. I remember like 
actually <laughs> pumping breast milk onto the Showtime contract and being like, oh, isn't this perfect? Um, but it, I, I, it, that happened. This is my whole career has been stuff like this. Is, is you just have a chemistry with someone. You're like, you know, I'd like to have this person is someone you like to have coffee or you you connect. And this mm-hmm. Meredith Steam who created Cold Case, we were in a playwriting group together, and she just walked up to me. And, and believe me, we were not even really friendly. I think she thought it was really vulgar. I just didn't even think we liked We were, were not similar in a lot of ways, but she just walked up to me. She's like, do you have, any, do you have anything you want to do? Like, is there anything you want to send me? Or just, I'd love to try a comedy because she'd only done drama. So she was the one who shepherded it. You know, we co-wrote it. I mean, we, you know, she taught me how to outline. I would go to her offices. She was, is that first year Homeland where it was like the dream team, crazy Homeland first year. And I would go to her office. I was really pregnant and, and she, it was like going to writer's boot camp. I mean, she had the board. She told me how to, how to write a pilot. Mm-hmm. Which I had no idea. So that was a amazing. And I got to meet like the homeland and they won't be like, God fielding, you're still pregnant. Jesus, like they'd be so annoyed that I was still pregnant. But right. so that was, that was, uh, you know, and I got into the Writers Guild as an associate member. And it was like that thing that I could tell my parents, like, see, this happened. And of course, they're like obsessed with Meredith. Like all they want to hear about was Meredith. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. But, but great. Like you said, great, even though it didn't get picked up. Yeah, they, you're right. They I said mean, it was too similar to girls. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, but who knows? Yeah. But still, the people, and who knows, like you said, you never know what these, uh, right. I mean, there's probably a million different reasons. Right. Um, but the experience you had, like you said, with, with meeting all these different people and, and yeah. all the different opportunities that probably came out of that was totally. just as, you know, just as relevant and important. Um, yeah, it's like holding your own. I mean, the the pitch was literally me telling my w- two worst drunk stories to the to the head of Showtime, and him laughing, right. being like, "Wow, Jesus, like that's intense," <laughs> you know. So it's like, it was again like this lesson of like, "Oh no, no, you can be yourself, no matter who's in mm-hmm. front of you, the president of Showtime, or you know the newcomer in your meeting who's sobbing in your it's just you be my my authentic." Self. And, and and that's that's been a huge thing too of how not to give my power away to, you know, people with who are, you know, much more successful than me and, you know, or men. It's like that's that's been a real ongoing thing for me. But fortunately I feel like I'm finally okay. out of it. <laughs> no, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean it's a lot yeah. of work you've done on yourself, like you said. I mean with your career, yourself and again it's to be commended for. Really. Thanks. But yeah. there's more to do, according to my husband, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, and you're, you seem like someone who's a worker, so, right. But I think yeah, I mean, it is. What else? Yeah, you know, it's. That. Having that pause is good, too, and that gets yes. you to kind of totally. regroup. Um, mm-hmm. Cause totally. Because that's the theme that we're talking mm-hmm. about a little bit. Yep. So this was when, the, okay, so around time frame-wise, so time was around what year now that you're that you were pitching that and writing that pilot. So I, I'm going to sit that was about nine years ago because I was pregnant. Right. Cause you're doing her, right. Yes. So 2000, so 2011 was that big year. It was the showtime okay. year being pregnant. And then my daughter was born in 2012 and it was right around, I don't know if I was real. Yeah. It was, it was, it was around that year that I attended 
uh, just a showcase. Like my friend Leslie Wolf, I went to Penn with her. She teaches stand-up, so I just was like supporting our friend Terry, who was like trying stand-up for the first time, and I just remember okay. looking at him, and he like beyond bombed. Like it was probably one of the worst sets I've ever seen anyone do. Always, <laughs> I'm such a schadenfreude. I'm like, isn't that so funny? Terry was terrible. But um, I met his girlfriend in the bathroom, and I just looked at her, and I was like, I think I want to do that. Like I think I can do that. And And people had said that to me at different points along the way. And I had mm-hmm. actually done a stand-up set at Williamstown Theater Festival. The, I did that, that, that each summer I got sober, I went there and Lewis Black taught me. So it, it had come up oh, and wow. I'd even tried it in my early, like when I was, yeah, it was too soon. I was too tied to my story in my twenties. I didn't have enough distance. It just was not the correct time. So just to catch you up if you want to know like that was when I was like I want to take Leslie's class and I did it pregnant and I think I was too scared to do the showcase to be if I'm being totally honest I think I I was Mm -hmm. kind of feeling like my daughter was moving that day and I you know I did I remember feeling a weirdly nauseous and I looked at Larry I was like I can't do it I just can't do it but because I always thought that was my protection like who's going to throw a pumpkin at someone's head if they're pregnant like who's going to get heckled if you're pregnant like protection Um, but I ended up taking her class again and then she ended up wanting me to be the TA for her class and I I got this like incredible set like accidentally at one of the showcases that she asked me to do that ended up being my tape to submit to get writer writing jobs on shows Um, so it all worked out but again I feel like so much is timing and you know listening to yourself yeah yeah and putting yourself out there so so this mm-hmm. is around again this is right so around 2000 like you said eight-ish um this was probably 2012 well, because okay, I, so okay. I had Ellis in 2012 okay and I remember I that I took that class like right before I had her Okay. I remember, I was okay. like, this so is this- a hot room, and I'm eight months pregnant, but I just love this so much. <laughs> oh, and, and let's digress, because this is around, I mean, we're talking yeah. about, you know, you having your daughter, getting mm-hmm. into stand-up. So, and how did you meet Larry? Now, you met him, was it in a writing? Um, yeah, well, it's funny, or I had- saw him in a play in New York, but I did not okay. remember him, so I was like, yeah, oh, I don't wow. remember you, I was just looking at the other like Anna Paquin and Jeff Donovan you did not make a mark sorry um but we there's so our really good friend Kathleen Dennehy ran this writers group that just met in people's living rooms on Monday night so I first laid eyes on him and I think this one particular Monday night was a small group and I had my play it was like one of the a play that and I remember being like I really didn't want to use Larry because I was like he's so he's too old but I had to because he's the only guy. And then later on he right. told me, I also, my first impression was that he was just really uncomfortable in his skin, and he told me that he absolutely thought I was a lesbian. <laughs> so that was <laughs> our impressions of each other. Oh my God. I know. That's so funny. I use him, and then he comes up to me afterwards, and he's like, I killed it. I killed it. Right? I'm like, who is this guy? So we just, so just fast forward, we would see each other, these writers groups. I think I almost ran him over once on Santa Monica Boulevard in the rain. We both remember that. <laughs> Um, and then because being the, like having the searing Hollywood acumen that I have, I decided to put up a Strindberg play to follow up Kokri Jap, not thinking about my career trajectory, but, um, my dream is to do Miss Julie. I I just want to play Miss Julie. And I, that my director who did Kokri Jap was like, let's have Larry play opposite you. 
And so we did Miss Julie together, and that's when I guess we fell in love. Barf, whatever. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a seventh grader, like Sweet Valley High. <laughs> right, and I mean, hey, he's he's been involved in a lot of stuff. I mean, and we could talk off the air if he wants to come on at some point. We could talk about that oh. too. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we'll I, keep him yeah, we'll keep him I, muted in silence. But we'll anyway, keep yeah, him muted. Okay. yeah, yeah, okay. But yeah, but just to give him a couple yeah. of. Little sure. uh, kudos. You, whatever you want, Jerry. You know, you're the boss. Yeah. <laughs> and I asked. Uh, no, he's, he's, no, he's had a, yeah. I mean, he, he'll he say things. He's like, I've been on and off the whether the boat or the train. He's like, I'm, right. he, he, no, he's, yeah, no, he's had a really good career. You know, he's a character actor. I mean, maybe he's been recognized three times since I've known him, but no, he works. <laughs> yeah. But again, congrats to both of you guys. I mean, you've oh, done thanks. a lot. You know, you've really done a lot, both of you. Um, yeah. So again, I want to delve into, of course, your new comedy special, Bitter Homes and Gardens. So, as we know, you've had some other plays that you did too, uh, mm-hmm. Missions, The Something mm-hmm. Nothing, all of these great plays. I see you getting, you know, lots of reviews and accolades and even some awards. So, congrats to all of those. Thank you. I appreciate um, it. Yeah. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. and of course, you've had some short films, too. I saw that, too. Yeah, trying um, to, yeah, creativity, it's a lifeline. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. I finally learned it was, like, just as important as recovery. It's, like, all kind of interconnected. Like, even now, that's part of why quarantine isn't that hard. It's, like, I'm I'm I've, I'm involved in a couple different things. I'm all is mostly self-starting and self, you know, my own discipline, but it's, like, it, it just keeps me puts the spring in my step. It gives you, what is my mm-hmm. purpose? You know, so I think I've always, right. you know, try not and to do forget you want, that. Are those things kind of under wraps right now, those things that you're working on? No, no, no. I mean, just, you know, like the, we're, I'm, I started, I'm outlining the bitter, bitter home season mm-hmm. through the quarantine edition. You know, okay. even just like, um, I, I, like, what is it that needs to be said right now? What is it that I have an opinion on? And it's like, I was like, I cannot, I cannot, hear or see another person doing an Instagram live. Like that's my biggest pet peeve right now. I'm like, not everyone should be doing an Instagram live. Like, stop it. You're right. not all comedians. Right. Like I cannot handle it. Like, just like yes. just stop posting your dinner. I don't give a shit about your, you know, oh, gosh. We're on your the same shrimp scampi. That What's oh. that? Yeah. I said we yeah. are on the same. We'll have to talk off the air if you want. Yeah. To yeah. Yeah. Well, I, mean, it's just, I oh. love looking at social media and just, Again, I'm I'm definitely type again. I'm not a comedian by any means, but I do think I have an eye for funny stuff, and I yeah, love science. I love Larry great taste. I love looking at minutia. Like I mm-hmm. love these little, and that's what you do a lot of too. You, you take these little things, mm-hmm. you know, like right. Why are you posting about? Do we really want to see what you had for dinner last night? You know, or right. people that like the, well, wait, the people that like their own like posts. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, also what like, is can that you read about? a room? Like, are you that self-absorbed that you think that's, I mean, and also yeah. I, I have, I, I had an eating disorder. Like, it's triggering for me. I don't want to see your tiramisu, <laughs> you bitch. Like, right. So I think paying attention to that, you yeah. know, where could I put this huge point of view into my artistic, like, or how, so I wrote this, like, little essay about, you know, going live, you know, about someone doing an Instagram live. And, like, and I was like, oh, you know, that could be a Shouts and Murmurs piece in the New Yorker. Maybe, I'm not saying it's a shoe in but I might as well. So I wrote it. Right, you know, why not? You know, it's that, that type of thing. And I'm writing a pilot 
right now um, I got hooked up with Randy Singer, who's the woman who wrote Mrs. Doubtfire, which was amazing, amazing connect. We both have the same manager, and I'm writing a pilot kind of based on Matt Lauer with a dash of my dad. So it will be very oh, different from the morning show, but it's like him being nationally, being a national pariah, losing his job and having to move in with his feminist daughter in Echo Park and just hide out. <laughs> so that's been really oh fun. Gosh. I mean, it's, you know, that's I'm awesome. in the sort of notes part of it, but mm-hmm. that's been, it's the first time I've written about a dad figure who is a central figure in in a TV way and it yeah it was it's it's cathartic it's it's hard it's cathartic yeah I'm sure I'm sure that yeah I mean it sounds really funny but I'm sure at the same point right when you have to delve into it and dig deep right yeah bring up a lot of stuff too for you yeah but luckily I I, luckily especially in the last couple years you know went into other programs for just to enlarge my spiritual toolkit so luckily like I I have my amazing friends in the toolkit. So nothing is, I just, you know, nothing's going to, I don't feel like it's going to completely take me down anymore. You know, it's like I have the toolkit, which is nice. Good. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So yeah, let's, we'll quickly bump along a little bit so we can get yeah. into your, the two bigger things that you've been working on for, I mean, that you've had out now for a little while. Um, tell us a little bit just about how did you get the role of Roxy on the, the BoJack Horseman, um, show where you did the voiceover work because that was I was checking that out I'd heard of it before um and I was looking at some of the stuff online last night and very funny stuff oh yeah it's it's a brilliant show and it's not only like a brilliant team behind it but they're also just so kind like they're just great people and but that was just from my friend or like my um my good friend my really good friend's Courtney Bright. She's a casting director. Her husband, Noel, I've just known them forever, ever since I moved here. Like, we had mutual friends from New York. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I think, had come to a stand-up show of mine when it was at M-Bar. I think before it was called Eat, Pray, Fuck. It was called AM. Okay. Fielding and Friends, before the improv was like, yeah, you're not famous. You can't call it Fielding and Friends. <laughs> That's not happening. So just calm down. But he came to a show, and then I think he just, I he called me up. He was like, "You want to do BoJack? I got a role for you know." He's, I was like, and that that was like a kind of life changing moment. I have to say, because I that opened a lot. I mean, that was like I started in the voice. I went over to the voice. I, I added you know voiceover with CAA yeah. and just people. I mean, it helped get my show to the improv because the guy booking there was obsessed with BoJack. So that was a <laughs> really funny. really cool gig. Yeah. Yeah, no, I always hear, I mean, I'm a, I listen to Stern, and um, he always jokes around, like, oh, that must be the best gig in the world, you know, because you just can go in there, you do the voiceover work, you don't have to get all done up, and yeah. you can yeah. actually make a lot of money. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, so, yeah, yeah. It, it's so, it's so fun, especially with, like, yeah. when, the, when the script is, you're like, God, I don't, I can't, this is, wow, I, I could not write, this. I mean, you're just, like, right. blown away by the script, and you're like, Jesus, what, what, I think I should stop writing. <laughs> so, no, congrats with that, too. Thanks, really yeah, cool. that was, really it was cool, cool gig. Yeah. yeah, definitely. All right, cool. so Bitter Homes and Gardens, which, again, when I was doing some research on you, and I reached out to you, I was just like, what a great name for a show, like, how did you... Like, how did you even come up with that? Like, that was our director, Dave Rock. He was, I can't give oh, him credit. Okay. It was, 
I don't know what we were calling yeah, it, but yeah. nobody liked our title. It was just like, no, no, that's awful. But it's just great <laughs> that I, you know, made the best idea win. Like I just so he he came up with that. Um, yeah, it was. I think the like first quote unquote episode, like you know, all my stuff starts as a one act. I mean, I would say almost everything I've ever done, except maybe my comedy special, but. It was this one act, and then I think the again, like someone in our playwriting group, there's a lot of showrunners in the Circle X playwriting group, doesn't? And he's like, "We got to shoot this. You got to do this." And then I think ran. This is so so random, but Temple Israel <laughs> was doing a night on forgiveness or Slikro. Are you Jewish? I feel like you might be Jewish. Yes, my back. Yes, yes. I mean, yes. Well, again, we can get into more off the air, but yes, absolutely, with my last name and that's what yes, I thought. Yeah, a lot of my I don't family. like to make assumptions <laughs> in this day and age, but I had a feeling that's okay. you were oh, a, I have a, a, fun, a sister. Well, my name tell you the funny story about that. I have a really funny story because people assume things, you know, just right. based on, like you said. Uh, I got a very funny story. I'll share with you off the oh, air. Oh, I'd love that. to hear it. Yeah, totally. Okay. So go ahead. Oh, so yeah, so we, our friends, Gary Gilbert, and Danny, was like. We want, we need some comic relief for our evening at Temple Israel for Sleeco. They would be, you know, like a congregation would be there. So we did basically the first like episode of Bitter Homes, but but then when, when we were rehearsing and like it was like it, I think Larry was with something about blowjob, and then the woman Larry's like uh, I can't say that, and then the old woman in the front row just looked at us and shook her head <laughs> like no, you can't do that. <laughs> So then Larry right. panics, and he goes, okay, after at this point and this point, because he can be a controlling bully, but he's a lot of times right, but it's annoying. He's like, just go off on a monologue about, just do an inner monologue, just to give it something poignant, because we're both so narcissistic and shallow and desperate. And so we do it, and like it's just this huge hit, and the rabbi came up to us. He's like, I have this conversation with my wife. So it's like we hit a nerve, or we just right. was like, follow it. And then the, the producer, Jim, was like, I'm going to get investors. We're going to give you 20 grand or blah, blah, blah. Wow. Just write a season and shoot it. And we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so great. That I'm assuming it shot, it shot in your house, right? You know, so that I wish. It was so that, again, my oh. Dave Rock, who there has an <laughs> incredible house in Highland Park. Okay. So that, but but so season two is going to be in our house. house. Actually, Larry was like, can we shoot season two? Can we go back to your house? And Dave's like, yeah, no, we have a lot going on. We we need to, so we'll, it will be in our house season two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, from, it's, you know, you. it's very polished. It's funny. Um, and you know, you guys just did yeah. a great job, especially, I love the beginning. Who did all the, um, the animation in the beginning? Oh yeah. So Michael, That's he never adorable. gets credit cause he's like such a lurker. I don't know if he's in the CIA, but he's not on social media. But his name is Michael Guggenheim. And okay. I think he did the graphics from Rhea Bamford, Lady Dynamite, I believe, for some of the interstitial stuff. But he's a genius. And, like, he also – we've been working with him forever, too, because not only did he come up with that, but we, we have this ancillary kind of snack vlog and actor prepares, which is like an offshoot of Bitter Home. So he, mm-hmm. he edits that. He's also – a phenomenal editor because we have to be edited. Otherwise we're, we're just too much. I mean, people will be like, that's, that's quite enough of them. They're just intolerable. <laughs> so we desperately need a great editor and director. Right. 
so he did the beginning too because I was actually before mm-hmm. we got on the mm-hmm. air today I was checking out some of the the snack vlog stuff like you I said saying, yeah so, so he, he edits all of that, that mm-hmm. and all the animation awesome. for that yeah no and he's um it's cool because he's like 26 hipster dude you know but he right. likes us and then he tells us his parents like us so it's just stuff like that we're like well we might as well keep going we definitely get feedback it keeps our marriage together i mean literally we'll be i'll be in couples therapy and i'm like well i can't really get divorced because of the you know the web series like i guess we just stay together <laughs> which right, is crazy that a web series is keeping you together and your stand-up act the material you know you mm-hmm. need him around for all the material you have oh yeah no my friend literally yeah. i just i was having a, a <laughs> rough day so i called my friend kira Saltanovich and i was like discussing we're just discussing like is my life better with him or without him it like basically can be distilled to that, and I was just you know in a bit a little bit of a dark place. And and Kira's like, well, you know, if you guys get divorced, it's like you're not gonna have a lot of material. I mean, divorce <laughs> it's kind of people just think you're bitter when you get up on right. stage and you're divorced. And it's so I mean, she's right. I mean, she's right. right. She's right. right. And so, I think I think the show also illustrates this. I think you know, even though, like you said, there's this there's this dynamic between you two going back and forth. There is mm-hmm. this really underlying it all. You can clearly see that you guys love each other, and there are these very tender moments. You know, when I'm watching the show, and you know what I mean between. Well, you that guys. means a lot because so, that was like our only note, and that's our oh, their most constant note we get. I mean, we can't hear that enough, and that's you know we. Well, I'm just, and I'm glad that reads. It's like, yeah, we. You you definitely wouldn't want to watch the show if we didn't love each other. We just happen to say everything that people usually don't, and the fact that we right. can still stay together after saying the worst, worst things you can say to another human <laughs> being, and still be like, oh, you want to go? You want to go for lunch? What should we order for tender greens? After <laughs> like saying horrible, but yeah, to be to be determined. It will unfold. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I hope I hope that the show does get picked up, and I mean you're oh, still thanks. you're still getting a lot of traction right now, so I'm very excited to see what comes with the um, the second season of it. Yeah, it will be. What's funny is uh, we just had our first Zoom meeting with Dave, our director, and the title of my Zoom meeting was "Bitter Homes Discussion Without Executives Ruining It." Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, made myself giggle, but it's going to be different. I, th- I mean, I don't know. It could be a disaster, but. It's going to be obviously a skeleton crew, like it was basically just going to be right. Dave and us in the front yard, backyard, talking about like what you were saying, like like the minor stuff. It's like the Seinfeldian aspect, the little stuff mm-hmm. that like gets under, like Larry leaving, putting the sticker from the apple on the counter, like enrages me more than if he was like, <laughs> I'm going to think I'm going to start drinking again. You know what I mean? It's like that right, type right. of shit. It's like That's your awesome. little black socks under the chair make me want to mm-hmm. blow my brains up but yeah I mean we'll definitely like we the series lends itself to this quarantine we'll just see I mean I, I you know to me an expectation it's just a premeditated resentment so I just can't have any expectations and I just want to put out my best work yeah I mean give it a shot you just yeah like, you, like you've done with everything do. in life I mean sometimes you just have to try and mm-hmm. hopefully if it doesn't out you can make some adjustments it doesn't mean that it's right. going to be a totally done deal, you know right right so I'm a, I just you know I just don't know I mean the we've gone through a couple of different producers I did spend a year and a half working on the pitch and it just ended up not being the right fit so we've had you know big producers come on for various lengths and I 
I think this is just one of these things that's just taking what it takes. It's just this is the trajectory, you know, um, but it will it will land where it's supposed to land and enough people mm-hmm. relate to it that you're just like, yeah, we'll just keep going. I mean, I hey, I could absolutely see it on something like Netflix. Um, you know, there's oh, so thanks. many different mediums today. You yeah, know, I, mean, I mean, my I director's that, like, that's... who's so, I mean, not, sorry, he's like, we've that's... just never seen this type of couple on TV. I mean, we've right. definitely seen, like, Catastrophe, but not, we haven't seen, like, an Archie Bunger, like, this type, and so. Yeah. Not, we're certainly not reinventing the wheel, and it's so funny, Larry just said to me, even, like, six months, he's like, we got to do it now, okay, we're getting old, like, we have to do this, <laughs> like, I'm aging, right. I don't have eyebrows, <laughs> So, yeah, well, um, you know, it, again, but it's like I, I get into trouble when I'm like, this is going to get me here and I need the, the feather in my cap. Or it's like when I, I, if I'm not coming from the fear-based place or I'm coming from like, ah, this will just be a little gift that we give to the world. Not everyone, you know, you either love us or right. we're really not your cup of tea. Right, right. No, I, I see what you're saying with that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, but I definitely think you guys have something there, like you said. It, Thanks. Maybe you're not reinventing the wheel, but it's it's right. different. And, and I can definitely mm-hmm. see there's something original and unique about it. Um, I appreciate you know, it. I don't want, I want people to watch it, so we won't go into too much. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's just funny. You know, you're you're working on this, this snack vlog, and <laughs> he's being a big brother to – Right. Yeah, you know, I think you're trying to make it sound like a teen, but the guy's clearly not a teen. And oh, I know. I'm know, glad you got funny. that joke because not everyone got that joke. I'm glad you got oh, that. Oh, how can you not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but, but um, yeah, we thought that was hilarious. Oh, I think that, yeah, because it's like an adult coming into the house. Right? It's, it's like a full-grown yeah. man, and he's like, <laughs> and then I'm like, do you want a blanket? <laughs> yes. And then I love when, like, in the one episode, you know, when, when you're first, like, introducing him, and, you know, it's clearly, like, not working out with him and Larry. And as he's right. leaving, you know, he mentions, you know, that his parents, you know, he's from Brentwood and his parents, right. I don't know, <laughs> someone's involved in Universal. And right. that's, that's the stuff I like because those are those little moments of those tie-ins where, mm. you know, you guys are getting rid of who you think is just going to be a handful. But then you find out, yeah. ooh, he's got right. a big connection. Like, uh-oh. <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah, so, no, I, it's, we have to always type that we're just like these desperately aspiring, or I guess I'm trying to be like Yiddish bloated Gwyneth Paltrow, <laughs> like have a mini <laughs> empire or whatever I'm trying to do. Like right. not goop, but scoop. And like Larry's <laughs> just, you know, thinking I should, you know, I should be, I, Paul Giamatti stole my career or like Thomas Hayden Church. Right. I'm like, no, not really. But yeah, we're just to come back to no, that. But but like you were saying too, like have to have to expose the the moment, the like heartfelt, the vulnerable, the like mm-hmm. we need each other, you know, or you know, because the truth is like I want my husband to. Do I want my husband to succeed, or do I really just want him to plateau? Because both of us are like secretly petrified that if the other person gets super successful, that they're gonna leave. <laughs> other person like I think we've had those discussions so yeah it's just exploring that kind of stuff in the human mm-hmm. psyche no definitely no it's yeah. great so everyone definitely has to check that out it's really I'm glad good. you liked it I pre- I, yeah I'm, I'm so glad you liked yeah, it yeah well and then, like I said that's my style of humor my sense of humor mm-hmm. you know is that type of stuff so mm-hmm. yeah cool um cool. so yeah so let's let's talk a little bit about uh can't say your comedy special mm-hmm. and again you know I really 
there was something very, I don't know what the right word is, and maybe you, your poetic words can come up with it. I just, I love the beginning of it when, you know, you're kind of like walking around New York. Is it New York? That was, it was actually Hollywood, and you know what's so funny? Oh, sorry about but that. But after we shot it, my director texted me, and he's like, you know the earthquake happened when we shot that. I was like, I know, I just realized that. So that was, we shot that after the special because we realized we just didn't have, we didn't have it. We didn't have an exciting enough beginning. So we shot right. that a little bit. I mean, I still, of course, got hair and makeup because I'm, yeah. But <laughs> it was, I loved it because it was, again, just simple. Yeah. Like what was, yeah, it was just fun. Yeah, and there was, I don't know, there, I think there's a deeper symbolism to it, too. Just, the, you know, following you around and before you mm-hmm. get on stage. And there was just something about it that was very, I can't think of the right word. But well, yeah, I, I yeah, really I, yeah, it was that. fun. I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, the whole, uh, I had, you know, comedians much further along in their career, really amazing comedians. I was fortunate that some of them came to the premiere. And I remember Felicia Michaels was one of those. She's a fantastic comedian. She came up to me. It meant so much to me. And she's like, I just... She said, she's like, there is something unique about the special. And she's like, it's it's really, it's messy in the best way. So I don't know if that's poetic, but that meant so much to me because that's what I wanted. And that's what my director and I talked about before. He's like, you don't have to get it right. It doesn't have to be so polished. You know, you just kind of mess around, fuck around. or mm-hmm. just, You know, it's, it's, we want that quality. And so that is kind of what set the tone and, I was happy that I seemed to achieve a semblance of that. You know, of course, it's never exactly, but I was pretty happy with it for a first one. Yeah, now, I, and again, even if you wanted that approach, I do think it looked extremely professional. Oh, thanks. And, and let's, say, let's say polished where it needs to be, because, again, I yes. thought it was, you know. You, I you, you was, need the element where they, not, people know you cared, so people, yeah. an audience member feels like they're in good hands. And, <laughs> No, definitely. It's not like you just well, threw something up on YouTube where right, someone came and right. shot you on the phone. You right. Know, I mean, um, it's like eight years. Wait, wait. Yeah, like eight years of material. I mean, there was a lot I didn't wow. use. But, yeah, but, again, I think it was also, to be honest with you, you know, I, I play out my dad issues with a lot of directors or producers to my, you know, spiritual <laughs> and emotional dismay. But, I have to tell you, this is the, one of the first projects where I wasn't hemorrhaging money at all. Like, all of it was kind of cheap, and I had the most mm-hmm. incredibly professional, fun, inspired relationship with my director where there was none of, not that toxic dynamic on any level. And, That's great. You know, and it was, that, that was new for me. That was new where it was really clean. Like, the whole thing was just clean, and I was express So... That was just as exciting to me as being like, wow, I, I didn't, I didn't, most comedians have two performances, you know, because you can edit or do it over a couple of nights. And the lyric just didn't have it. They just ended up not having the slots. So I was like, I'm just going to do my best in this one, like blow my wad in this one hour right. and see what <laughs> happens. Yeah, and it, it just worked. Crazy. And I think, again, because my attitude where I just wanted it to feel like a party and like a lot of my friends showed up. So yeah, it was, that was a luck thing too. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. I mean, some of, I don't, I don't want to, I want people to watch it too, but <laughs> you know, I love, I love the stuff where you talk about, you know, people mispronouncing your name, um, you know, how you, you never wanted to be married. And that's, again, that's where your poetry came in. You know, you just wanted to someone to take you to brunch and spackle your foyer. You know, that type of stuff was just, 
you know, I loved Thank it. You. I loved it. There were so many great Thank moments. You. Um, yeah, I think my yeah. current therapist watched it, and she's like, yeah, you put a lot of yourself in it. I'm like, you think, Barry? <laughs> like, it's all, <laughs> it's all real. Like, I did have that conversation with my friends. Like, what if we just all go away and cheat on our husbands one weekend? So it's like a mass suicide. Like, that wasn't my right. joke. That was my friend's joke, and she's not even a comedian. But I was like, oh, that, that's, that's funny, and that's true. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, yeah. no, I feel like and I can't how did do you, it. Um, yeah. I'm assuming it was your, your manager or your agent or someone who got it on Amazon Prime and Apple TV because that was – Yeah, it was, it was actually my lawyer. I have this, like, oh, killer okay. Barracuda lawyer who just represents a ton of top comedians, and I was lucky enough to get hooked up with wow. Lev. And it was – I was having a moment – I mean, I, I didn't – because my, all my reps are really just literary. They're not comedy, actually, for now. Mm. I'm hoping that changes, but – just to broaden it, but it is what it is now. And so I was having this kind of, I was just moping around, just really morose. And that's where Larry's like, just send it to whoever, just, just email it out right now to people, mm-hmm. who, you know, that's where you kind of say, Oh, I'll keep my husband. And I just was like, I'll just send it to love. I mean, and the, the crazy thing, Carrie is like, I sent it to him. I didn't, I didn't hear back. I think I, about any, I don't even think he responded. The next day, I see that I have a missed call from him, which is big. So I'm like, we don't, you don't call. Right. Like, people don't call. Right, like, right. There's, like, a death or a sale. <laughs> like, so I'm like, wow. Like, he calls me. Wow, wow, wow. So I call him right back, and he's, he launches in. Like, for 15 minutes, he tells me basically what a nobody I am. I'm not touring. I don't have the credit for, like, at midnight or oh, that thing. Gosh. Like, I'm just, nobody knows who the hell I am. He's like, but there is some daylight here because I sent it to Comedy <laughs> Dynamics and I, I, they want to do it. They want to put it up. That's so I was like, great. great. And, you know, and he kept being like, I'll try to get you some money. And I ended up making money on it. I mean, just the sale part. So it was extremely and, – and, and the reason I had Lev, my lawyer, was because Meredith from the Showtime pilot – hung out with him in Lake Arrowhead and was like, you need to represent Fielding. That's the only reason I was Aww. a it's, it's always just through everything I've gotten. It's just through people. It's not even necessarily from agent or manager, really, even though right. they've done and wonderful it's, things again, for me. Congrats on the special. And that's just oh, that's such a cool theme that I think you've also, well, not that you've also, that you have illustrated throughout the interview is, you know, you meet these people along the way and you've been mm. really fortunate that, you know, these people take to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm did lucky, you ever yeah. feel that you know? The, I'm sure you've had moments of just feeling like how competitive this industry is and challenging. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, there's just this, and you'll hear it from comedians who were doing comedy in the '90s that, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I feel like my rabbi has a web series. <laughs> like everyone <laughs> is a comedian right. now because of social, a lot of confluence of factors, right? So. Right. I, I don't know. There's this Martha Graham quote that I really love where I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically saying it's like, I don't know if you know, but it's just like there's only one of you. Like just be the channel, mm-hmm. like keep the channel open. So you, you, certainly you can, I would collapse in paroxysms of despair and entomant cake if I really let myself <laughs> go down that road. But on the other hand, you can just be like, but if just try to keep, I can just be me you know, try not to fall on the cliches, try to push right. myself, take risks. And then, you know, Jackie Cation, another comedian's always like, 
you know, if you have the consistent ability to, to crack people up in a room just over and over, like, you'll find work. You know, and she has this sort right. of, like, thing on her website. And so it's just stuff like that where you're like, you know, I mean, is there a part of me that's like, would I like to, you know, be further or different or have, you know, I still have those days where I'm like, oh, I feel like I haven't done anything. You know, it's like, yes, but if I just stick to the work, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that, and I think also, and I'm sure being in therapy and the therapist you have now, I mean, actually mm-hmm. taking those moments, maybe we're in the pause, you know, that's a good <laughs> thing. Again, you know, to just reflect on everything you have done because you've got accomplished a tremendous amount. And I know what you're saying. You get to that point where you feel like, oh, I haven't done this or that yet. Mm-hmm. But sometimes mm-hmm. you have to take that pause and reflect and be mm-hmm. like, wow, I have accomplished a lot, you know? Yeah, the special, was, the special helps. I definitely, I mean, that felt like, when that was coming out or I hadn't even come out yet, when I, every show I'd go, people were like, congrats on the special, or, like that, or they would mention the special before I went on stage or not. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it did feel like it, it moved the needle. It shifted that I, I, I was – that was probably the first thing that I was able to be truly proud of myself but know that, like, nothing I do is alone. It was, I had the most incredible team, and it was really fun. And it's funny, mm-hmm. I just – uh, because I've been in this like maniacal organizing thing, like I'm with my photos. I just yesterday was just not even like have an idea, but just thinking like, okay, well there will be a next special, so I can just even drop the trickle in the lake, or just be like, just, just to even have that thought. So I dropped off the slides. I was like, that could be a good photo for my next special. But cool. I don't even, I haven't even, I don't even know what it'd be about. But it just right. helps you wake up in the morning and be like. There will be a next special. I don't know. Right, how it's not the end of the road. It's not like there's never going to be another opportunity. No, no, that's a good point. You know, you know, and just like really? I don't, it's not, and I and I can't even focus on it right now. But 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 as an artist, I think you're constantly kind of juggling different ideas, and just some take mm-hmm. more, are on the front burner, and some are on the back. Definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, well, thank you so much for sharing all this stuff. Well, I feel like you healed all my childhood story. trauma. Thank you for all the compliments. <laughs> oh, I really you. will take it. I just, I, I, no, I really do I mean, appreciate it. I know we probably do have the same taste, and I, I just, yeah, it means a lot. So, yeah, thank you. no, and I, and I'm, I'm gen- I genuinely mean it. I'm not someone who just throws stuff out there like right, that. Right, no. um, <laughs> I get that. Yeah, right. no, it's great. It's really great to, you know, to get the opportunity to interview you and and share your journey and promote you um so yeah well, so, well yeah i totally wanna... appreciate because that like we said there's also there's a lot of stuff there's like a lot of noise out there so it, it is it is hard you know i don't i don't know how many people are watching my special but it means a lot you know my first sponsor was like i loved it it just felt like totally you know so it's like you just never know how or where or who's supposed to watch it or why you made it just go and make the next one <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, and yeah. definitely, it's definitely, I'm sure, getting eyes on it, so, and that's great. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, we'll see, totally. Yeah. Thanks, Carrie. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, why don't we do this? Um, Anything else you want to plug or promote? I definitely want you to promote, of course, your social media where people can find you, and I always will let you know you're welcome back on in the future to promote Oh, you're so sweet. Stuff. Yeah, as long as you don't yeah. have Larry on. I'll be just joking. <laughs> Um, yeah, my socials are all um, at Fielding Edlow, and as Carrie, you know, so um, it's such an altruistic, magnificent plug of all my stuff. But yeah, the Can't Say Slut 
is on it's free if you're an Amazon Prime member. It's actually even free now or you can find on um Google Play or all those platforms that like, you know, twenty one year old mm-hmm. TikTokers know that I don't know, but it's most it's an album too on if you don't want to look at me, you can listen to me. It's also an album. But yeah, that's um and just stay tuned for more uh, bitter homes coming this fall and you know, whether there is a second wave or not, hopefully not, but there will be some kind of bitter homes incarnation some version which hopefully will entertain you a little bit yeah no, i'm definitely looking forward to that absolutely <laughs> absolutely so, this, so this has been this has been such a joy it's so fun to talk to you you're such an incredible interviewer i just really and i appreciate i put on i just want you to know care i put on makeup for you even though it's audio because i was like oh wow okay. so yeah <laughs> that you happens about once every nine level, weeks but thank you <laughs> oh no no there's mascara because this is you wow. have it's such a great show i've listened to almost all of them and yeah you're you're so such a talented interviewer and among all the, so all the other stuff you do that so really, yeah this has been so fun thank you and that really really means a lot to me I, as you can see i don't take this lightly i put 150 percent i know a lot of research of time i put in yeah but and that, that yeah. partially ties into my background i do a lot of research working as a psychologist you know a lot of that ties into just that kind of aspect of my career but you know thank you so much you were an absolute delight as such a talent and um yeah i hope oh. we can stay in touch oh, you know? oh i think oh we definitely will we definitely okay. i would love to and um <laughs> yeah thank thank you again because um I got to I got out I got out of home camping or whatever decoupage weirdness right. or lanyards that I do. That's like my my kids like. Can I just go back to Roblox on my iPad? This is a nightmare. But um, you're the best, Carrie. Thank you so much. And yeah, that will that, I'd Thank love to stay in so touch. Thank you so much too. And um, you know, if you want to share it again, the podcast will be available shortly, so people can stream. And if they couldn't tune into the live interview, so it'll be available for people to oh, cool. I definitely get it will on share it. iTunes. All right. Awesome. I definitely Thank will. Thank you so much, Fielding. Thanks, Carrie. Okay. Take care. We'll Talk be in to touch. Later. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, Bye. everyone. Fielding Edlo, what an amazing interview. Again, if you tuned in late by any means, um, please check out the podcast. What a great story, interesting journey this woman's had, and just such a talent. So please check her out. You can go to Online, check out uh, Bitter Homes and Garden, which is her award-winning web series. And as we mentioned, she has her special out right now, Can't Say Slut, and that is on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Vimeo. And as she mentioned, if you don't want to look at her, you can also find the audio version of it. Um, And follow her at Fielding. So thank you so much for tuning in. I'm in the process of booking some other interviews, so please uh, follow me on Instagram at Carrie Edelman. Um, I also have the Carrie Edelman show on Facebook. So if you want to friend me there or like it, please, uh, you can see my upcoming interviews and, um, you can also find me. I have two personal pages on Facebook. If one of them's not maxed out, uh, or if it, if it is maxed out, just find me on the other one. We can keep in touch that way too. So thanks everyone again for the support. Please check it out. Um, the audio, the interviews are on the blog talk radio. They're also on iTunes. So if you want to download them there, At this point, there's probably over 250, so very interesting people, musicians, comedians, um, filmmakers, writers. So, yeah, check them out and uh, see what they have to offer. All of them are doing some great stuff. So thanks so much for tuning in, and have a great day.